Welcome to Soap, a story of the Tates and the Campbells, whose normal life is anything but normal, with co-hosts Tom Diamond, Vicky Ray, Jesse Fultz, and Keith Chowgo. Soap operas come and go, but there has never been a soap opera like Soap. to the Literary License Podcast today, where we are continuing our soap retrospective. This is season two, episode 34 to 49. And today we just have Keith Shago and my little old self, Vicki Ray. And before we get started, we'd like to see what we, all of us, the all, both of us, all two of us have been up to since the last time we talked. What's going on, Keith? Um, not a lot going on here. Um, been watching bits and bobs, watching Creep Show and Shutter, which I'm really, really enjoying. Of course, we did some advertisement for it in our um, newsletter this month. Um, got the newsletter out. And what else have I been doing? Um, sorting out my bank because I've been <laughs> hacked and they, stole the, they they cleared my bank account out, which dealing with that. People are assholes. And besides that, not a lot. Just watching bits and bobs, watching Chucky, which I'm really loving the TV series of Chucky. I haven't um, started that yet. It's good. A lot of people are singing its praises, though. Everybody says it's really good. Yeah. I think out of the film franchises, and I've said this over and over, I think Child's Play is probably the most cohesive film franchise. That's what I quite like about it. Yeah, it's not bad. I love how they keep bringing them all back, you know, like, you know, we got Fiona Doroth back in it from, you know, the last two movies. Jennifer Tilly's back in it. Oh, she is back. Yeah, she's in it. Tiffany's there. So it continues on from the last movie, which is fantastic. Because normally they, like, forget about everything. Let's start over again. Nothing Let's like a Halloween. little continuity. Let's start over again. So, and I love it. I love it. Keep, it keep it going. So, yeah. But that's about it, really. Not a lot going on. Getting ready for Halloween, which... Probably mm-hmm. just because I'm going to watch a bunch of horror movies. So, yeah, I've already started doing that. We're getting ready for Halloween here, too. And uh, what was I watching the other night ago? Oh, Dead Snow, one and two. You can't get, and zombies, you know, they're kind of worn and beat down on, but you can't get any scarier than Nazi zombies. <laughs> Those have to be the most oppressive, scary, meanest, nastiest, gankiest zombies on the planet. And it's just well done. It's just the second one's almost better than the first one. We don't get too um, many Nazi stuff anymore. We just got so many of them, and now it's very rare that we get Nazis movies. Yeah, but zombie Nazis, you get kind of burnt out on zombies, but zombie Nazis, I love both movies. I don't know if you've watched them, but they're excellent. You have to get what? I haven't actually watched it all the way through. I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna watch that this weekend. Do they walk around with easy bake ovens? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna get us in trouble. Um, (laughs) Other than Dead Snow. (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've been watching the hammer films because those are really great for halloween the old you know christopher lee stuff and that stuff boy you know back in the day when i used to watch it on monster movie matinee they were cut i had no um, idea how sexually exploitive <laughs> it would get 
which I, I mean, I don't have no problem with it. I just, you know, there were, you know, it kind of makes sense now. Some of it was missing for some reason. Sometimes you need that sexuality in there to make it interesting because vampires are sexual creatures. I'm sorry. They just well, are. Monster movie matinee also was done on a Saturday afternoon at 1, 1 p.m. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that me and my mom, my little Italian mama got me started in the horror genre. Little did she know. My grandmother as well, so... Yeah, yeah, I've watched. I watched Dune. I watched Creep Show. What was Dune like? Did you enjoy it? I liked it, but I, I, I'm gonna say this. People don't hate me, but I liked the the other one was kind of it, it incorporated the book. The problem I have with this one is that it's going to lead it. This one leads up to all the action. And so this is like two hours, 20 minutes, something like that. And although it was brilliantly, you know, filmed, it's beautiful. It's keeping to the novel a lot, but the novel's huge, as everybody knows. And the only problem I got with it is, are they going to make a sequel? And that's where I shout out to my sexy horror people on Facebook, Matthew and them, because a lot of people are disappointed. Are they going to make one? Did I just, you know, get invested in this and they're not going to make the second one? Because people are wondering, they're going off the the viability of this one to make a second one, but they almost have to because you didn't get into all the good stuff. You mm-hmm. know, you just got where, you know, the Duke dies, you know, and, and you know, he takes over the House of Trade is and, you know, and I kind of miss Sting. The other guy was okay, but I really miss Sting. Right, and his little, his little gold underwear. And his <laughs> little gold underwear, yeah. He had the big fat guy still. He was around. He was disgusting. He was perfect for it. I can't remember his name, but he was brilliant in it. And he's he's a well-known actor, too. It, it's a beautiful film. I'm just hoping that, you know, we didn't get to the part where they're riding the worms and all that stuff. Like in this first one, they kind of incorporated all that. Yeah. But this one... It, it, I mean, they, there's no way you get that whole book in one film. There's just no way. And they never did anything with the other one, you know. Well, it's quite good because you're going to have to read the book next year. In our, on season I've already six. read it. I'm teasing. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> I'll kill you if you do. I read Dune Messiah. Back in the day, I read them all. I had a friend in college let me, handing me all these books. Here, read these. You're going to love them. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm writing a thesis to graduate. But I'll read all these anyway. But yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't bad. I didn't hate it. I, it wasn't, it didn't have a lot of substance, I think was the problem. People were expecting more and think, you're not going to get problem, more until the second film. I think the problem with like a two story one, unless it's like it, it was a bit different because all the best stuff's in the beginning. And then the second part of it, it's kind of, it's kind of stupid, really. You know, when the adults yeah. come in and stuff like this. This so has that got part, battery acid. Yeah. But it's kind of kind of like watching um what was it the last Lord of the Rings film is like because that was the Return of the King, it? yeah like the first part of it is like okay and then, and then of course second part happens like who the hell is, I mean who the hell's fighting who I, I got lost I lost interest after. <laughs> but it's almost like I think the Hobbit was like that as well because everything's it's building up everything and then it ends so you're on this like okay and you have to wait really two happened. years yeah you go like the, the Lord of the Rings is like nothing but human suffering for two and a half hours. Then you got to wait another two years for the second one to come out, you know, and it's, you ever it's watch so that hard. Film Clarks too? Um, you ever see that film Clark's too? I don't know. Um, it's with um, Silent Bob and Jay. 
And basically what it is, is um, basically uh, they're in a fast food restaurant and like all the young guys are like talking about how great Lord of the Rings are. And they're going, no. <laughs> and, they're, and they're having a fight with these people who love Star Wars, right? No, Star Wars. Oh, is no. Like, no. <laughs> I've actually <laughs> seen confrontations like that. <laughs> and the, birth, the Star Wars one goes to the, like the Lord of the Rings people. The Lord of the Rings, all of this is about walking. Everyone's walking. Even the trees are walking. <laughs> <laughs> So whenever I think of like Lord of the Rings, I mean, all I think is like it's true. Everyone's just walking in these movies, <laughs> walking somewhere. This is true. Though. They are walking. walking, lots of walking. Yes, there is. There was lots of walking in Lord of the Rings. But other than that, we're just getting excited about Halloween, you know. But it's going to be a nice weekend. So I mean, other than that, not a whole lot going on. Trying to start trouble wherever I can. Okay, well, this brings us to scene one of our soap perspective, and we're going to start off with Chester. Chester comes home from brain operation, not knowing who he is. He thinks he is Marlena Dietrich, which, which killed me the whole time. Chester agonizes over his loss of memory and disappears without a trace in his confused condition. He's also thought to be dead, and his family shares memories of him at his funeral, and apparently no one wanted to show up. Everybody said, didn't they say they were sick? Oh, they had a headache. No one wanted to come to his funeral. <laughs> Chester is, in fact, alive and wandering the world aimlessly, currently in Toledo. <laughs> he manages for a moment to regain his memory, only to be promptly losing it again. He then remembers his name to be Lester Pate. Chester hits his head and regains his memory and going back to Connecticut. Chester returns home. He reacclimates himself to life in the Tate household, which has got to be hell because it's just chaos and total shitstorm all the time. Poor Chester. I, I thought uh, I love the guy who plays Chester. I think he's really, really. Funny. Oh my god, he, I love he, him. He's great. He, he used to appear in a lot of stuff anyway, but it's just he does the. He's such an asshole, but he, he does, does it so well, well. Where he's a lovable asshole. Yeah. And but but he's a fumbling asshole as well, which I quite like as well. And he he always thinks he's got it above, you know. And I love the whole wino thing, you know, where wino stole his clothes. I don't know, but what's wrong with being a wino? Oh, nothing. Nothing's wrong with being a wino. Nothing's wrong. I know he is wandering around aimlessly, so to speak, and he ends up in several different situations he's he's a short order cook what else is he doing he's a wino what else did he do um he's at a um homeless shelter where he's talking about the um that basically he thinks that he's enjoying his pea soup and he thinks everyone around him is poor (laughs) (laughs) it's like but you're eating there as well and every time he hits his head, he gets a little bit of his memory, and then he hits his head again and loses it again. <laughs> but then he then he ends up in that redneck cafe at the end of the day, and then basically the redneck tells her, "You're looking at my wife." He goes, "No, why would I want to look at that for?" He <laughs> <laughs> gets punched in the head, and that's when he gets his memory back. I think he hits his head. I don't remember what. I don't know who that guy was that played the. Uh, I don't know if he was a redneck or what he was. He looked like kind of a bully. 
But he was yeah. trying to be a short order cook. You know, people say, you know, we want, we want this with toast, sink them and burn them and all sort of stuff. And I mean, there are some, I mean, if you've ever gone into, I don't know, you probably have, you've been around these parts, you go to a diner like that around here and they have a whole different language. Some of oh, these yeah. diners. Want Adam and Eve on a raft. Huh? Adam and Eve on a raft. Which yeah, is, I don't um, even know what that was. It's fried eggs, it's fried eggs on toast. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, with bacon. Bacon's yeah. the Adam, Eve's the eggs, and the raft is the toast. <laughs> I mean, that's just like pig Latin as far as I'm concerned. Or, you know, one cup of mud. Yeah, and well, that one goes without saying. But, yeah. you know, he has to, he comes with home a, to... With a little bit, with a squirt, with a, with a little bit of squirt, that's coffee with milk, <laughs> with a squirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he comes up to squirt. His... I like how he's trying to sound out his name, mm-hmm. you know, Lester, 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 Pate, Pate, whatever, <laughs> you know, he goes, I'm Lester Pate and Toledo. It's just like, who wants to get stuck in Toledo? Have you been to Toledo lately? Yeah, I've driven, <laughs> I've driven through Ohio. It's one of those, and sorry for any listeners we have in Ohio, but my heart goes out to you. <laughs> 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 I've 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 driven through Ohio, yeah. It's quite uneventful, actually. I think one of the worst states to go drive through is Kansas. Yeah. If you can go from if you can go from one end of Kansas to the other without falling asleep, you're doing really well because the roads are straight and it's just flat. Oh, I know. Driving through Kansas is a nightmare sometimes because you know you can see a tornado like 20 miles away sometimes in Kansas. Because it's so flat, and and the road and the thing is, is like most roads they curve so that way. Why if you're driving, it keeps you interested. Yeah. Not in Kansas, you're just driving. It's a sheet of paper. Well, if you're going east to west, I mean, you run right into the mountains. You know. Yeah, and that's when it gets interesting. That's when it gets interesting. Colorado, it's like, yay! Oh my God, I see something in the horizon beside corn. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) <laughs> corn corn and tornadoes but chester when he returns home he's got all kinds of shit going on doesn't he <laughs> and then he Which, shows up and i think the funeral is that even his children couldn't find anything nice to say about him oh i know they're making up stuff what was it corinne made up the uh the uh the fishing the fishing story and who was it bert what did bert say bert, oh my god i love bert and all of these he's so funny Oh, well, um, I mean, the best thing is um, Billy says that um, when I was telling the story, Billy, when I was younger, I wanted a hammer because I wanted to build a puppy. Yeah. And I told my dad and he found it really funny. And so what did he do? He bought me a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) So I like buying the puppy. (laughs) He bought him a hammer. But uh, he goes through. I like the Chester storyline. It's interesting. I thought they did a good job of that. So Yeah, they did. Which would probably bring us to scene two, which is Jody, who has a fight with Dennis and is provoked to slug him. Jody has trouble directing a commercial with Carol and Dennis competing for his attention on the set. Jody is stood up at the altar by Carol, which I thought I didn't expect that. I haven't seen this in a long time, but I forgot that she stood him up. And uh, Jody assures Mary that he won't attempt suicide again. Jody meets Carol's mom. Jody befriends Alice, a suicidal lesbian. <laughs> Jody invites Alice to become his roommate. And Jody introduces Alice to his family. 
Jody and Alice become jealous of each other's dates and decide to date each other, which I saw coming a mile away. Carol's mother, oh, Jody is introduced to his newborn daughter, Wendy, by Carol's mom, who shows up with the child at Jody's apartment. Miss, Mrs. David, Carol's mom, tells him that Carol has run off with another man and offers Jody custody of Wendy only if he kicks Alice out of the apartment, which is, what does she say? She goes, oh, one homo is enough, but two homos, <laughs> you could not you know, get away with is- this stuff anymore and this tells you how far we've actually come as well because the evolution in, yeah well i mean in this time period i mean the thing is is that jody could not have would not be able to see his child no would not be able to have custody of him because he was a homo yeah so, because he was gay and and you think to yourself it's like god you forget that it was like that actually and he's you know and to have the show like highlight that and and I had to sit there and say, I think this, you know, I think this is where the show comes out strongest because the thing is, you probably got the first real gay character in a series at this time. Period. I can't, I can't even remember another gay character really, other than Jody. Yeah, Campbell or, uh, and it's played and it's played so well because you know you have you know even though you know it's all the all the all the situations that are very very heightened. But there are some things that you realize is like, you know, they all come to terms with it, which is really good. Um, and, you know, and never want just Jody the butt of the joke. The people who are, have I a problem with homosexuals or being, or being gay are the people, they are the butt of the joke. And that's why I think soap works really well. Really it well. makes, it makes the bigots look stupid. Precisely. In a passive aggressive fashion, which I really enjoy because, you know, I mean, because they, they just make, I know it's a comedy show for the most part, but it humanizes, you know, people like Jody and his new friend, Alice, who happens to be a lesbian, you know, and a I lesbian mean, Jewish mother of all things. <laughs> I know. I know. And you almost got when they, when you kind of see it happening, you know, when they get together, you're wondering, ah, oh, these guys are going to like each other. But she puts all the newspaper on the floor and she cleans his house and totally just messes with his world and puts the couch facing the fireplace because the fireplace and the couch weren't communicating well enough. You know, I mean, and she's just, I mean, that's the kind of roommate everybody wants. God, she cleans, she cooks. That's why it goes after her. She cleans, she cooks. What else did she do? You know, organized, paints the bathroom. She paid, oh yeah, silver. She paid, it's like a disco. Like a disco in there. And also, the disco, the disco well this is the, this is 78 correct still are we in 78 yeah 77 78 yeah yeah because uh there i guess disco was on it kind of on its way out i'm assuming because that's when i think know, we saw the village people i mean didn't wasn't like in the navy and all that still hit like number one around this time period wasn't it, it, so it might have been i just can't recall i will survive and all that stuff was still there abba was take a chance on me and yeah and so and I think we also had like Leif Garrett. I was made for dancing. I, oh, that's I, right. I, oh, oh my God. God. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh my God. I got to YouTube that now. Yeah, oh Leif my God. Garrett. Leif Garrett. Oh my God. He always wears a bandana on his head now. Why? Yeah, and I, well, that's because he's gotten quite funky looking. But I think we also had Sean Cassidy singing to Do Ron Ron. And hey, do Ron Ron. 
Somebody <laughs> told me her name was Jill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was all around this time period because this is like right after the the Bison Bay City Hanky, Rollers, or was that earlier? No, that's about this time as well. Because all S-A-T-U-R, around the A T U R T U R But this is all around. This is like right after the bicentennial. So yeah, and yeah. I think this is the year that Elvis died as well, isn't it? Yeah, Queen had their big albums coming out. Yeah, so we had the whole disco, and then we had kind of like that rock. Then we had like rock, rock, and then, and then we had like the war. The war between rock and disco hasn't come out yet. Donna Summers is huge at this time. Yeah. So. The disco sucks stuff hasn't started yet. Remember yeah, disco sucks. Remember the war? That was an actual war. I yeah. mean, rock versus disco. What was that movie? Oh my god, I love it. What was it? Oh, these guys trying to get. They want to go see Kiss. Oh my god, what's it called? Oh yes, I like that movie. Um, rock and roll all night or something. No. Oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, I've seen they, that movie. They're trying to get Kiss tickets, or they want Kiss tickets. And they end up, you know, fighting with the disco boys on the side. Oh, my God, it's going to drive me nuts. I, yeah, it's on the tip I, of my tongue. Yeah, I remember that movie, actually. That was a good movie, actually. Detroit Rock City. Watching. Detroit Rock City. That's it. I knew it, was named, I knew it had, like, a Kiss song title in it, so. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, this initially brought me right back to that because that was really, you got the disco guys and you got, you know, the, the rock guys. They don't like disco and... You know, there's a lot of. I just can't. I really, I remember that. that. Kiss ended up doing a disco song anyway, didn't they? Which one? I was made for loving, loving you, baby. baby. Yeah, you were made for loving me. <laughs> this is true. That's the end of doing like a disco song at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think everyone ended up doing like a bit of a da- a dance song, didn't they? You know, it I wasn't Styx- all bad. I like some of that stuff. It wasn't all that bad. Well, even yeah. Sticks had a, a like a disco song, really, didn't they? With Renegade, oh Renegade, we, you know, yeah. you'd, be your, you'd be at your school disco dancing to the Obama. Yeah, <laughs> they did play that. They did. Remember yeah. Twilight Twenty Two when we were kids? Yeah, where the, where the bowling alley was. Oh my God, how funny! Yeah. They had the and dance God, floor, sneaking your We were dancing the cheap trick as well, you know. Yeah. I want you to want me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to turn us off right about now. We got stuff. I don't know. I have to say, in seventy, what was great good about the seventies and eighties, which I think is, um, I think is what we're missing now, is that you would turn on the radio and you'd be. You would have Dolly Parton, Here You Come Again. You'd yep. have, um, you know, you'd have Cheap Trick. You'd have Pat Benatar. You know, you'd have, like, so many different you'd types You'd have Ferris, too, would come on out of the middle of nowhere. I love yeah. that song, by the way. I, I always love Ferris, too. But you also had, like, just so much different kind of music all the time. And all, all it's like, if you look at the top 100 um, and at this time period, it was just like, Songs from every single genre coming out at you, and there's just so on the billboard. Fun. It wasn't just rock. It wasn't just disco. Rap was such a good time. Diversity, yeah. and it was embraced. And I mean, it wasn't sometimes, but it was. And now, as things have changed so much, I kind of miss the old days. God, I, I miss it. More, I think we had more diversity in the '70s because I mean, even in television. Okay, we had soap. We had the gay character in soap, but we had good times and what's happening. Yeah, and Archie, Archie, Archie Bunker, and we had um. I mean, okay, yeah, we didn't have a lot of Hispanic stuff going on at that time, but we had a lot of 
you know, black shows and white shows and mixed shows. And we had the Jeffersons. We had a mixed race couple in the Jeffersons. Yeah, I love the Jeffersons. I still turn them on. I love the Jeffersons. Yeah. I just love we, how we, we get so that, upset. We called all the white people honky. Yeah. And I mean, nobody was, I was never, were you offended ever? I've never been offended how he picked on the, 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 the couple, the, what's their name? The Wilsons. Was that their name? The Wilsons. Yeah. The Wilsons. And she, he was white. She was black and he used to dog on them. And he <laughs> said that all white people smell up. I know white people smell like wet potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sanford and Sons. Yeah, I love Sanford and Son. I've always, I love all of them. They're all great shows. I don't care, black, white, or whatever. You know, now I am going to say it. But the good thing about with Jody and Alice and stuff coming at it, because it does bring the attention and reflect to the time. And I mean, it's comedy, but it also does bring an awareness that if you were a gay man or a gay female, mm-hmm. You could not have your children. So these, this is why people were so in the closet back then. And there was no yeah. compassion. It was yeah. looked at as a perverted lifestyle. And you were going to do something to your children, which I could. I, I just, It's such bullshit. And, and but, it, you know, in in a comedic way and a sensitive way, like she does with all of her writing. She's just brilliant. Yeah. You know, she gets this point across and it's a very poignant moment, you know, when, when she says, well, I can handle one homosexual, but you can't have two. So he's got to make the decision whether he's going to kick Alice out to have his baby. He can't take her to court back then. He wouldn't have had a snowball's chance in hell of keeping the baby, which brings and the, you know, the, the seriousness under the comedy value because it was a real problem for people. Yeah, and that's With what's great about Susan Harris. Because, I mean, she would continue this crusade for um, gay rights and everything like that, even through the Golden Girls, which would come out yeah. after sort of thing. And, you know, about, you know, about, you know, compassion and empathy and understanding and let people live their lives and all that sort of stuff. And that's pretty much what soap is about. It's just right. Yeah. And then you got and, Carol. She she had to have Jody so bad. And then she just takes off on him, you know, and then yeah. her and Dennis were having those issues with each other. You know, I mean, it, it's what is, but she was such but a just, shit for leaving him. But well, the funny thing about Carol and Dennis is that they're almost like the same person. So Dennis yeah. is a gay version of Carol, and Carol's a straight version of Dennis. Yeah. Because the thing is, they have these control issues about him, sort of thing. And, you know, and it's all about, I want, you know, they're, they're always putting things done to Jody. It's like, I want you to be this, I want you to be that, I want you to be this. Meanwhile, they're off doing whatever they want to do. And they want Jody to, you know, prioritize yeah. his life according to their wishes, basically. I mean, look at Dennis. I mean, Dennis didn't want to be with Jody because he wanted to go out with a girl. And then Jody got, you know. Well, he, he was to- gay and he was a football star and he didn't want to be emasculated publicly for being gay. And then, and then Jody decides he's going to have a sex change, and then Dennis doesn't want him anyway. And then, and then as Jody gets out with his life, Dennis comes back, oh, I changed my mind. So it's kind of like, okay. And then Carol basically uses emotional blackmail to have sex with him. You yeah. Know, and, that happens. and then she says she's pregnant by him. And then, but then I guess you also have to wonder, like, is it really Jody's? Because I think Carol was a bit promiscuous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looked like Carol was probably getting around a little bit. But I think he was like a conquest. I think it was like, oh, you know, let's let's see if we can turn him. But, you know, it does kind of bring out the other sex. I don't know if you want to call it bisexual. Is Jody bisexual? Is he homosexual? He seems like he likes both at this point. I don't know if they ever go into that too much. I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't come out in this block too much at the moment. I mean, the whole thing about Carol is kind of weird because. 
you know, Carol then gives birth. And then what do we find out is that Carol meets a man and runs off with the man and leaves her baby behind. So, so obviously we do find out that Carol has a bit of a, you know, a bit of a pattern here. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's not, she's not somebody you can count on. That's for sure. I'm kind of wondering if Carol's going to come back now because, you know, what's going to happen when this relationship ends with this guy that she's run off with. And then, you know, enter Alice, the, the lesbian friend, and then they bring dates home and they start getting jealous of each other's dates. I know. Well, you know, I think it is. I think, I think that's a flatmate thing. Cause you know, like sometimes if you got like a, sometimes like you have flatmates and you find yourself in a situation where it's just like, it's like you become home. It's like you come to like this weird kind of family situation. Right. And then, you know, if you're both single and basically, you know, you got a good setup going on here with, you know, Alice doing the cooking and the cleaning and, you know, if she becomes serious with a girlfriend, does that end? If, yeah. Or or if Jody gets in a serious relationship, does that end? What, what happens to Alice? So I think there's also that going on in this scenario as well. So. Well, but just yeah, they're insulting each other's dates, yeah. you know, making fun of their looks and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, Jody said real. That, um, Alice's date looked like a trucker. So- <laughs> And she was making fun of it. What he had more jewelry on. If he had any yeah. more jewelry on, he'd have a manhole cover around his neck or something. Yeah. <laughs> he has more jewelry on than I own. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that. I might have to go back and rewatch that part because I just, I, I think I, I didn't see how much jewelry he had on. I wasn't really looking. But that takes us probably to Dutch and Eunice. Dutch and Eunice decide to run away together. Dutch and Eunice say their goodbyes as they go into hiding. Eunice and Dutch find the hideout cabin to be too rustic. The Tates decide to visit Dutch and Eunice at this hideaway cabin, which, by the way, is a real dive. And the police are not far behind. Dutch finally gets captured by the police and Eunice comes home. She urges Dutch to turn state's evidence so he could be freed from jail and can be with her on the outside. So she eventually talks him out of escaping from jail. I think she's going to get him like a, a, some kind of pardon or something in two weeks. She's worked it yeah, out. Get him out. Get evidence about something. Um, we're not quite sure what exactly he witnessed yet. Cause they're kind of, they haven't really gone into detail. I was just going to say that this Dutch and Eunice story is not the most interesting no. The, the, the best part about this is when Jessica Benson and Billy go and visit. Yeah. And they be, and the cop shows up and they pretend that they're mar- that um, he's a neurosurgeon. Yeah. <laughs> Benson's a neurosurgeon and they're married and those are his kids. He's black. <laughs> and Billy's his child. <laughs> they just beat the piss out of the biracial stuff in this. But, but I love Robert Gallom. He has got to be hands down one of my favorite TV actors like ever. There oh, is nothing that he cannot do. I mean, I mean, even in, I mean, he's he's the um, um, the I don't. It's not the monkey, but what is he? In, a Lion King. He is. You he's know, the, the he's the, the baboon. baboon. He's the baboon in the Lion King. I mean, he's brilliant in that. Everything he does is brilliant. Is he? I think he's still alive as well. Yeah, I believe he is. I hope he is. I'm sure he is. He still pops up. But yeah, this Dutch and Eunice story, I mean, it's it's okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're jumping to it and you're like, okay, here we go. And so it's not the strongest. It was stronger when, um, you know, when it first started. But I like Jennifer Salt a lot. I mean, we've had her on the show. She's a fantastic person. And not, she and I is. Like, She's fantastic. And I, and I like Dutch. But I have to then say that this storyline, 
against all the other storylines that are being covered in this block. It's kind of weak, but it really My does goodness, he up. was born in 1927. He's still kicking. Yeah. He's still going <laughs> strong. God love him. He still pops up. Him and Harry Belafonte, they both show up from time to time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah, but but when they get to the cabin, you get Jessica and Benson there, and it, it just it does liven up. I mean, there oh are God, some funny, there are some funny scenes that when Eunice goes and meets Dutch, and basically she's screaming at him, and he's behind the glass. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know where to pick up the phone. Yeah, so he tells to pick up the phone, and then the guy and the police guard's like, "Stop touching the glass! I have to clean this all the time." And which is kind of funny because the thing is, when you ever watch these prison movies or any kind of prison thing, and they are behind the glass, you always think like, "Who cleans that glass?" And soap tells you. <laughs> what was that movie about the drugs? A guy gets stuck in Turkey. Oh, uh, Midnight Express. Midnight Express. Did you know, I wouldn't have wanted had to clean that glass, but. <laughs> well, did you ever see? Did you ever see um, Jim Carrey in the? Cable Guy with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And there's that part where they re- they redo the Midnight Express thing and it's Jim Carrey like taking his shirt off <laughs> putting, his, putting his chest up against the- oh, yeah, I, I forgot him. about that. <laughs> I know. I think I was in college when we were watching that and everybody's going, man, I'd hate to have to clean up that floor. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. It was t- that was a true story, though. That's what makes it so interesting, but the, thing is, though, the, the problem with Midnight Express, let's just go slightly off topic here, is that when you're watching that movie, are you supposed to feel sorry for him? Because to be honest, he's kind of guilty for what he was doing. <laughs> Didn't he tape like, all those drugs to him or something? Is that well, what we're not talking about like one or two. We're talking about like they were all around his body. But like, multiple, Yeah, he like, taped a bunch of drugs. I mean, I was I threw away a lot of my prescription drugs when we were in Turkey. Because I was just afraid. It's <laughs> just like I did but not I mean, want to stay had, there during Ramadan. I don't know if it was heroin or coke, but I know that he. I think he it was heroin. Like three or four rows of duct tape. <laughs> I know he was like, yeah, he got he got busted. But the thing is, like anything's got to be. I mean, if you're, I don't know if anybody deserves a Turkish prison. Yeah, <laughs> I don't but know. I, but I'm saying I don't. I'm not saying that he deserved a Turkish prison, but he kind of. I mean. He kind of put himself in that position. You know oh, I mean? yeah. I was stupid. You know, now, trying to, I mean, out of all the places in the world to try to sneak drugs out of. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certain places that I'm sorry, but if you're going to go there, you might, you know, they're not, you know, they don't want to be caught doing stupid stuff. In- oh, God, not in Turkey, not anywhere in any Middle Eastern Islamic country. You don't want to get caught doing shit. They won't even let you bring your hormones. Okay. You don't even, to be honest, in those countries, you don't want to be caught even winking at anyone. You don't even want to flirt with it. <laughs> you don't want to get caught taking a picture of the Iranian basketball team in 2018. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some countries that, you know, it's probably best just to stay. I mean, there's some countries that I will never go and visit because it's just like, no. Nah. You're so. My mouth will just get me in trouble. Mine <laughs> so, will you know, do. I'll I mean, open I... my mouth, say something stupid, and you won't see. I won't be see. I won't be seeing the light of day to the day I die. And now, no, no, I'll be you'll be taking my body out to, to back to America to be buried. <laughs> yeah, there's just no way. But yeah. oh, let's see. I'm trying to figure out. Um, they they get to this cabin and she finds a Eunice. Well, you have to give. She is such a spoiled rich girl in this, though. You got to admit because she, she's never seen an outhouse. Can you imagine? Well, I have to sit there and say that if I was taken there and there was an outhouse, I probably would have the same kind of thing. I wouldn't be happy with an outhouse. Although back in the day, 
especially in Dexter and places like that, people still had outhouses late seventies, early. 80s. Oh yeah, I know. When I lived in Ireland, and this is like I moved to Ireland in nineteen eighty eight for a year, and um, they just got the bathroom two years, and they've got indoor plumbing two years prior to that. I mean, the thing is, if if I'm in like Florida or somewhere warm, outhouses I probably can deal with. Frickin', I mean, cold area? No. Can you imagine like the blizzard of 77 having to go out to the freaking outhouse? Fuck no. <laughs> you would have to get like a freaking gray doll or a freaking something just to get out back because you had 20 <laughs> feet of snow out back. And people still think we're exaggerating. I know. Those snow drifts were big. We were touching the, the lights, the traffic lights. That's how high some of the drifts were. So no, no oh. outhouse for me back then. Nope, nope, nope. We had to get out of our... um attic window to get slot out that my friend jill was using her huskies to go to the store hitching them up to a slot good times hello good times but i guess that's going to take us to corinne and tim which gets much more interesting because this is like one of the best storylines and i mean literally almost being my pants (laughs) storylines you talk about the exorcist and full-blown comedy but uh, Corinne and Tim, Corinne tells Jessica that she is pregnant. Tim faces his first day working for Bert's construction company and realizes it's not for him. Corinne learns that her pregnancy is much further along than she can explain. Corinne tells Tim about her unexplainable five-month pregnancy, and he announces that he's going to become a hermit and go lives in a cave. Corinne goes into labor. Corinne gives birth to a boy and she brings her baby boy home and the baby cries, keeping everyone in the ta- household awake. His, the baby exhibits ominous and demonic behavior. Corinne's baby also displays telekinetic powers and speaks in full sentences and in tongues. <laughs> Corinne tells Tim that the baby is possessed and learns firsthand what's been happening with his son. Tim believes that confronting the baby's demon is the key to his own redemption Benson decides to join Tim in confronting the baby's demon. Corinne believes that the baby is possessed because of her promiscuous past. The Tates prepare to exercise the baby's demon, and Jessica confronts the demon possessing Corinne's baby, which runs away screaming. Funny, funny, funny. (laughs) All of this was funny. I don't understand the attraction to Tim. I mean, he's such a wet noodle. You know what it is? He's curly. He's he's just got curly hair and he's kind of cute, pudgy cheeks. I want to squeeze him kind of. We had Father Remigio in in Sacred Heart. He had blue eyes and curly hair. Okay. Yeah, but Tim is just like, oh my God. He's like, nothing's ever good enough for him. He just moans all the time. But he's a crybaby. And and Corinne, you're thinking, Corinne, God, he could be so much better. But I, but saying that, it they, it works really, really well. I mean, you know, the only thing, yeah. I, the only thing I can say that's negative about the the storyline is that I kind of wanted it to go on a little bit longer than it does. I did too, and it didn't. I mean, it could have, they could have dragged it out another episode. I think yeah. if they wanted to, because yeah. it was funny. Let's face it, it was so outlandish. You know, it was. But this is making fun of soap operas. We have to keep that in mind. This yeah. isn't supposed to be, you know, a drama, so to speak. But I mean, just just the whole thing where the, where the baby's insulting, you know, and then Benson decides to go and get get him some, you know, <laughs> he goes, I'm not cleaning. I'm not making dinner. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, meanwhile, the, you know, 
the demonic presence is screaming and it's like shaking the house and Chester's like going, does my insurance pay for this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and goes, Joe, it is an act of God. <laughs> Joe Jody comes in and he says something and all of a sudden he starts levitating and then that stupid Bob the doll goes, look, a fruit fly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the oh, insults I are just, I mean, then you got Bert and, and uh, Chester interacting and, and being rotten to each other. And I mean, the writing is obscenely fantastic in this, this mm-hmm. one episode. I mean, I, I was, I was crying. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I forgot how much joy these episodes, I mean, seriously, they bring to your life. If you watch them, especially when you really need a laugh and you need to be taken back to a time when people weren't so offended and everybody made fun of everybody. And it was just all good. Yeah. It just was. And then, you know, you got the baby thing. And you got, you know, Corinne saying she thinks she's being punished because I guess she slept with everybody in town. Yeah. All Did the you sleep with the DA? Yeah. Very good. Did you sleep with the mayor? You slept with the mayor? <laughs> she goes, I didn't. I liked it when she goes, oh, I slept with um, the DA guy. And, um, and Jessica goes, I voted for him. And Mary goes, I told you not to vote for him. And she goes, well, I, vo-, and she goes, well, I voted for the other guy. And Curran goes, I slept with him too. <laughs> and she goes, and trust me, the better man won. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It's, it's just so funny. I, I watched, I rewatched this last night because it was, I mean, I was in the back laughing, but I mean, the demonic behavior, I mean, you've got this baby and it's what's, it's just, the, the stuff is saying, well, obviously they can't swear like the exorcist, you know, where they're going with this, yeah. you know, but I mean, everybody comes down their hair as well. Jessica first, Mary and Jessica goes up there because Benson says he's not going to go back up yeah. and you get Mary and you think it's going to end right there where Mary, you know, they're holding, you know, holding on each other, going up the stairs, their sisters, their united front. And they come down and they just look like beat all to hell when they go <laughs> to the kitchen and start talking to Corinne. I mean, I, I can't explain this this part of the of the episode enough to people. They really, I mean, it's it's just some of the best writing I've seen in a comedy. Yeah, I, I, even like um, when they first find out about the demonic, they got Chester and Benson, and like Benson's gone gone there to pick up the baby's pacifier, and and he's basically he's trapped underneath there, and I'm um, trapped underneath the crib, and then <laughs> Chester's like going, "That's my." He's grandpa. trying to kill. He's trying to kill Benson. He can't get out. And then Chester goes, oh, the grandson looks so much like me. And then the giraffe hits him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think that they were going to mess up Jessica because she's basically, you know, the goddess of the show for the most part. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's but she's the one that finally I mean, that's the part where it gets kind of nice. I mean, you kind of it's still comedic, but she actually puts forth that warm fuzzy where how the family still loves each other. And no, you are not taking, you know, anybody from our family. You're not taking anybody's soul. You're going to leave us alone. You're going to go away. And that's pretty much where it ends. But I mean, other than than ruining it for everybody who haven't seen it, it really has to be watched. I mean, I, I can't stop watching any of them. I just I'm just enjoying the heck out watching all these again. Well, what's also really fantastically written is that you're laughing, 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 and then you get like this fantastic sobering moment, sobering moment. And, you know, like, you know, even the conversation between Mary, Jessica and Corinne about Corinne being promiscuous and and what Mary says to her is like, God, this is fantastic sort of thing. And, you know, you get like, you know, you're laughing, but then you just get these sobering moments that basically just are so heartfelt. And, you know, I don't think, 
you know, it's really, I think it's really hard to be able to switch back and forth like that. And but Soap does it very, very expert, expertly and fantastically. Yeah, well. I got to find some outtakes on some of these episodes because I've, I've never seen any bloopers, but I bet you they're funny as hell. <laughs> I mean, just, just Richard Mulligan. I don't know if I could ever do a scene with that man. I mean, him and Chester where they're face to face and they're giving each other crap, Bert and Bert and Chester. I mean, it's just funny because it's just nonstop quips, bang, 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 you know? Well, another thing that you find in this is that, I mean, this is recorded in front of a studio audience. Yeah. Can you imagine going to a taping of this? It must have been fantastic. Oh, my God. I was thinking that when I was watching it last night. It must have been a lot of fun to watch Mm -hmm. them do this. This I mean, just the outtakes and the mistakes, too, as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can hear the audience, obviously, the audience liking it. You know, I wonder how many people were in the studio audience. But wasn't it Dinah Manoff who told us that basically when when you acted with Richard Mulligan, you had to be with him at the moment because you never knew what he was going to do? Yeah, I guess he went, uh, he was kind of like Robin Williams, I think, the way she was going. He kind of like, you know, went off the off script a little bit and he ad libbed some of the stuff. He got really irritated apparently as well. So you kind of had to stay in the moment with him and just. Right, right. He was a serious actor, though, comedy and all. But I mean, it's just the the facial expressions and, you know, his eye movement and just every all of his his body expression. I mean, it it makes you laugh. He doesn't even have to say anything. He was in on some Mel Brooks films as well, wasn't he? I want to say yes. I think he was like in silent movie and things like that sort of thing. I mean, he's a brilliant actor. It's just, oh God, I wish people like that were still around. I'm pretty sure. I think he was in a Mel Brooks, but don't get me lying. Well, you got the whole family together. Bert gets kicked out, you know, and you got the, the family, you got the, the women talking in the kitchen. And then you got that sobering moment in the end where Jessica expels the demon. You know, finally he's gone. And it's yeah. the devil. It's not just any demon. It has to be, you know, the kah- big kahuna himself. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at Richard Mulligan. SOB, that's what he was in. SOB? Yeah. He was in a lot of, he had a lot of serious roles too. I yeah, mean, he wasn't he always some... laugh. It wasn't always laughter. He had some serious roles. I remember seeing him. Well, he did Edgar Allan Poe. He's done, he was in, he lent his voice to Oliver and Company and Hey Arnold before he died. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's been around. I knew he, I knew he, I know I saw him in, uh, um, Mel Brooks film, and that, that's not, it was SOB because um, it's the one where you got to see Julie, Julie Andrews get her shirt off. That's oh, that was such a big deal, too. Oh, yeah, and he was in Mickey and Maude as well and Teachers and Meatballs Part 2. Okay. Okay, I remember Meatballs. I remember Mickey and Maude vaguely. Uh, Mickey and Maude's one with um, Amy Irving and um, Dudley. Dudley Moore and um and basically they used to be on HBO all the time. That's why yeah. I know it. this used to be on HBO on a loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, HBO was on a loop back then, actually. The yeah. little brown box. Yeah. You either turned it right or left. Precisely. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> this um, the demonic storyline is fantastic. I, I, and it's funny it, as hell. Like, so many years later, I always remember the demonic storyline. It's always the one that sticks in my head. That and the Martians. And, and the one we're, that we're coming up to in right. as well. But it's those two storylines that, for some reason, always sticks in my head. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yep. 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 Which brings us to Mary and Bert. Mary is kissed by her college professor, Dr. Martins, who is interested in her more than a student. Mary does not return his advances and Bert walks in on Mary and the professor at the wrong moment. And he thinks she is having an affair. He gets drunk and goes to Sally's apartment and ends up spending the night. Bert wakes up next to Sally, much to his horror. Bert lies to Mary about where he was all night. And Mary tells Jessica that Bert is having an affair. Mary is troubled and Jody's guess is, is why that is. Bert tries to break it off with Sally and it's revealed that Sally's interest in Bert is merely a part of a malicious plot against him. Bert and Mary are emotional wrecks on the day of Jody's wedding. Mary and Bert confront their mutual misunderstandings and reconcile. Bert tells Sally to find another job. Sally reacts badly to the suggestion and tells Mary that Bert is having an affair with both her and an 18-year-old girl. Mary leaves Bert and moves in with the Tates and violently confronts Bert about Sally's accusations. She's throwing everything at him. Bert vows to prove himself innocent and learns that Ingrid has been blackmailing Sally to get her to pretend that she and Bert have consummated an affair, which they have not. Danny also asked Jody to help Mary and Bert resolve their problems. Sally confesses to Mary that she lied about Bert's affairs. Yeah, um, you know, the thing is, this is kind of an odd one because I love that you, you see the love between Mary and Bert and this whole thing going on. But I have to say that this storyline went on for a little bit. And, a little and, bit. And the reason behind it, I wasn't quite sure why they brought Ingrid back. And why was Ingrid going after Bert and Mary when the, the, the whole thing about Corinne is the Tates, not the Campbells? I forget why she was mad at them. Yeah, she was mad I, at all. Of, because she was take, she took up for her sister. Bert insulted her several times. I know that. And yeah. she vowed revenge on all of them. But you just think that she probably would go for more re- revenge on the Tates. Because Chester and Jessica, yeah. Because she's Corinne's mother, isn't I she? think that they're trying to open the door to let her back in, though, because she hasn't been on in a while. Maybe that's where they're going with that. Yeah. But, I mean, I like, you know, when you find out about it. But the thing is, is like, and you find out, I thought it was quite nice that Bert didn't actually have an affair. because He loves Mary too much. And well, you didn't even know, though, because he just happened to wake up. You yeah. know, you see, notice how he's pulling the covers down and he's looking, he's looking, and then he realizes he doesn't have any clothes on. And then he starts doing the faces and the noises and typical, you know, Richard Mulligan style stuff. But then to say that, I mean, it's all because of a miscommunication because he walks in on Mary and the college professors on top of her the couch. Yeah, it looked like that they were going at it. Yeah. So, you know, and then he goes on, gets drunk and goes to Sally's place sort of thing. But then he kind of also wondered, like, in the, the, the block that we'd done previously, the, the last time we'd done so, because she was after Danny at one point as well. Remember? She was after, Dan- yeah, she was after Danny. But I think she just had to get one of the Campbells. I don't know how, but uh, but I think aren't the boys' last name Dallas, Jody Dallas, Danny Dallas? Yeah, They're not Jody Campbells, Dallas, are they? Yeah, because because um, it's Mary's second marriage, isn't it? So Bert's not Jody and Danny's father. Yeah, because we already crossed that bridge where Bert killed Mary's husband. Yeah, and um, Bert's sons is Chuck. <laughs> Chuck and Bob. Yeah, Chuck and Bob. I mean, you just can't. I mean, that guy's brilliant. Chuck and Bob. We got to find him. I wonder if he's still he's alive. He actually showed up on Twitter the other day, actually. Oh, really? He's out there? Yeah, he's around. Yeah. We should try to get him on the show. I mean, I love, I mean, my, I do love Bob. Every time Bob's on there. I would love to interview Chuck and Bob. Oh my God, what a riot. 
The only story. problem I have with them though is they don't really have a storyline. They just come in and they kind of do. Well, the- they they well no, they don't have a storyline that I can remember. But Bob gives the best lines ever. He says, oh, he's definitely got the best one-liners. You know, they, like with the fly thing. And they talk to Bob like he's real. Well, like after he, a while, is this is this, this is? Did we get to the part yet? Is this the scene where they're all getting drunk because everybody left everybody at this point? So it all yeah. does kind of tie in. And they, I mean, the dummy's the only one left at the table, passed out. They left him with a bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing also is like. Um, Bob's like, stop it, because Jody goes, I never throw up anything. Just throw anything at me. Yeah, the worms <laughs> and stuff. And Bob's going, no, no, no. <laughs> and then he can pretend he's throwing up, and then everyone's like, jumps back. <laughs> but then, no, you can, you, you know the like bird. Bob, you also get Bob interacting with Alice as well when the lesbian they go, he goes to meet the Campbells, and it's like, oh, ah. God, I know. Um, you forgot me. It's <laughs> introducing the family. Oh, I know. And then you got you got Sally. Well, was it Mary? She starts talking to Mary about everything that she's supposedly accusing Bert of. And then you got them sitting down like two best friends when they find out about the eighteen year old. Was it? He says he's with a fat, a fat old lady. She goes, "Okay, yeah. you're sleeping with a fat old lady, an eighteen year old, and your secretary." <laughs> I mean, and the funny thing is, when Burke comes clean to her and he and he tells her that she's uh, um, an unattractive um, fat lady, Mary's okay with that. It's when she finds out he's like eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old, or that the secretary is attractive. Yeah, that was quite funny, sort of thing. But all's well that ends well. Well, I guess we'll figure out what Ingrid's up to because Sally confessed to Mary, you know, and and you know they kind of move on with things. And it was quite nice to see the love. I mean, you do, and and the, the you love, know they love very, each other is very, very pure and very, very strong. I mean, that yeah. does come out of this whole storyline sort of thing. So, well, yeah, until you get to the the aliens. Which brings us to Danny and Lane. Uh, Mary and Elaine share a tender moment. I think they're doing the facial thing at that point, were they? Yeah. And Elaine gets kidnapped by the mob just as Danny's relationship with her begins to bloom. The Campbells panic because of Elaine's kidnapping and Danny is allowed to speak on the phone to Elaine. Bert and Danny rehearse the ransom drop. Uh, Elaine gets shot while escaping from the kidnappers. Elaine dies in the arms of her horrified husband. And Danny sets out to find Elaine's killers with Bert in tow. Danny gets a tip about Elaine's killers. And Danny confronts Mel, the mobster who murdered Elaine, but gets clobbered by Mel's girlfriend, Millie, which all turned out kind of. This is a sad. It was it, there was comedy, but I really thought Dinah did really good in this. I mean, yeah, it was really it. sad because you know how the relationship started. They hated each other. She was a horrible, wretched human being. Nobody liked her. She was mean to everybody. And then she gets treatment from like what a regular family quote unquote is. And you realize that, you know, she's really nice. She just hasn't been treated well most of her life and she doesn't know how to deal with people. And so, you know, just a little bit of hard love and a little bit of regular love. And she comes around and she turns out to be the best thing and her and Danny fall in love. And then, yeah, she, and then, and then when she gets kidnapped, um, um, they contact her father, and her father not, 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 doesn't not, want not, her. 
it's really sad, actually. It was really, he was a real total dick. That that was really sad. And Diana Manoff's got that kind of face that makes you sad because she can really, she's got that, you can, she can make you cry. You know, yeah. she's that, she's so sweet. I don't know. I guess it's, I, even when she was being mean, you loved her. Yeah, I love, I mean, I, I loved her character in this. And I have to then say that seeing her go is kind of, it's also sad, actually. I thought it was sad. I was kind of hoping, you know, I remember this episode. I go, oh, man, this is where Diana leaves. I mean, I, I it's so sad because you want to see Danny with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. eventually. But I, I mean, I think Danny that if she had really she well, stayed, he- it would have been great. But didn't she go to Empty Nest after? No, that was later. To, that was the 80s, right? Greece. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I got my head stuck in the 80s. That's right. She did. Which would come out a year later and be like a huge blockbuster that became. But yeah, and I I thought I thought when she died and she dies in Danny's arms, I thought that the scene with Danny, you know, Danny's mourning her was really, really well done. I thought it looked really I thought it was sad where she kept saying, I'm home, I'm home. You know, I was like, no, it's supposed to be funny. (laughs) This is sad. It's very, very sad. But that's why also I like it when they get to see these sad moments because you're not expecting it. You know, it's just like, oh my God. You know, it just takes you by surprise. And then you find yourself like really feeling for it as well. Right, right. Even though it's supposed to be a a comedy show and and it's like, Harris, she just knows how to do this. She's just brilliant at it. I mean, she did it with, the other shows that she's written, you know, and I always notice she must have used the same composer for each show. Cause you ever notice there's something of a similarity with all the shows in their music. Something like, like well, soap definitely has its, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the funny, it, it's just funny. Even the music's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, it also, you know, it also kind of reminds me as like um, with soap is it reminds me of a Bette Midler concert. And the reason why I say that is like, Bette Miller has a habit, like, joke, 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 like, you know, right. so you Sophie Tucker, he's like, you know, I was in bed with my boyfriend only last night, he said to me, soap, he always called me soap, he said to me, soap, you have a tight, yeah. you, know, you have no tips in a tight box. I said to him, Ernie, <laughs> get off my back. And then she'll sing, like, a sad song right after that, and he's like, you're laughing, and all of a sudden, like, oh my god, it's such a sad song, and then she'll cut another joke, and you're like, yeah. And that's what soap reminds me of, he's like, laugh, 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 oh my god, this is so sad, I feel, oh my god, I can't believe my heart's actually breaking here, and then it's like, and then laughing again, this is it kind of reminded me there's this and I I was watching my mother used to watch search for tomorrow and I remember I don't remember who it was that the the hero but um there's this this Hispanic actress her name was Renata and she happened to die like that in her lover's arms and everything and she'd been crushed by a building or something and (laughs) he didn't get to her in time it's typical soap opera shit and she I'm just bawling watching Renata die oh my god this is it was the same thing with this I mean she really actually incorporated the drama of a regular soap opera into this one little scene and it was really well done and you and I think I guess if you're watching the story and you you watch how they hated each other you knew they were going to eventually like each other because it's a soap opera kind of even though it's comedy but you knew what what was going to happen eventually and it's quite sad because it's um as far as Elaine is concerned, or Diana Manoff, she's just getting into her groove in the series as well. She, she just was. became like, such a regular. And then it's like, boo, she's gone. It's like, oh, my God. I that know. So I quick. hate seeing her go. So I really enjoy well. her. It's very, very done quickly as well. It's just like, whoa, she's gone already. I, I, I thought, I didn't think that was going to be on until later on. But yeah, she, she, didn't, she, she came and she went. 
Yeah, you know, because you came at the end of um what season one, and she's right. gone by by before the middle of season two. So yeah, it was just too short for her. Yeah, you know, I mean, why couldn't she just wait for the drop? No, she had to run. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then Danny, you know, after a while, we got going through the other storylines. Danny, you know, is trying to find the people who killed her, and he finally confronts Mel. And you see, what is the name of that actress? That's, I mean, I've seen her in other stuff. She's playing um, uh, Millie. That, I don't know, but I've have seen you her seen her before? I've seen her in other things. But, you know, you kind of wonder, it's like, well, why did he turn his back like that? Give me the phone. It's like, what are you thinking? She's, of course, she's going to give you the phone. But Danny's <laughs> not the brightest either. No, probably. he's just very handsome and cute. Precisely, yeah. He always says the really stupid things. He finds himself in these really weird... But I mean, even like with the mob, I mean, it's, and he always finds it, you know, even when he's on the run from the mob, I mean, he's, you know, he's always returning home in different disguises. That yeah, the, the, the rabbi and all that. And, and, then, and, then, and then and then they get shot out because the mob always knew where he was. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're always going home. But, right. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's on this mission to avenge Elaine's death because he loves her so much, which is quite sweet. But then I guess I guess another good thing is that you kind of got his family backing him up. It's like, you know, and it, you know, I think he shows up at Jody's um, Jody's place and when he goes, "Are girl gay? <laughs> girls be gay?" Sort of thing. Girls be gay. You and know what? Like, that probably a lot of people probably didn't realize that back then. So that is kind of reflecting, you know, yeah. what what people were thinking. But we also get that he's like going to do that. And Jody goes, no, no, don't do it. You got to stop this. And he goes, and then Jody goes, no, I know what you're going to do. And he goes, and he goes, he goes, you know, what would you do if something happened to me? He goes, I go out and kill them too. I go and get revenge. So basically it's like, so you got, it's quite nice that you got Jody and Danny very, very close. And and Bert, for, and Bert will do anything for Danny. And it's quite nice to have that really, you have this zany family that love each other no matter what. And yeah. Great. I mean, they, they insult the shit out of each other, but at the end of the day they still love each other yeah which brings us to scene seven with jessica jessica hires detective george donahue for his job for um, for a job of finding chester donahue declares his love for jessica i think everybody falls in love with jessica at least once Jessica yeah. tells Detective Donahue that she loves him too, but she cannot act on it due to her feelings for Chester. Benson warns Detective Donahue, and Detective Donahue finds Chester's wallet at the scene of a train wreck and tells Jessica that Chester is dead. Jessica tells Mary about her date with Donahue, and Don- her and Donahue spend the night together. Jessica and Donahue agonize about the future of their relationship when Chester returns home. Jessica tells Chester about Donahue. Jessica calls Chester and Donahue together to deliver her decision about which two of the men she will remain with. And Jessica chooses Chester, but offers to let Donahue stay in the house until he stops throwing up and passing out at the door. Oh, my God. These two, Chester and Donahue. I couldn't stop laughing. These two are just punny. They're like two kids fighting in a schoolyard over over Jessica. Well, I mean, and she's got I mean, this really pretty outfit on, too, which totally accentuates a beautiful figure. This woman was just drop dead gorgeous. She really was. And, you know, everybody falls in love with her. And I think it's kind of funny because she's such they got her such a ditz, but she's such a loving ditz. 
you know, and I mean, even Benson, Benson, well, Benson doesn't love her that way, but he adores her. You know, the thing about her though is that she's accepting and loving no matter who the person is, though. She likes yeah. everybody. Yeah, she's yeah, very I mean, loving. You know, I mean, even Bob, she treats Bob like a real person. And even Bob says something, even Bob can't be ma- um, nasty. To, no one can be nasty to Jessica. I don't at all. think anybody's nasty to Jessica really that much either. They all fall in love with her, some kind of weird shit. Yeah. But it's just when she takes, when she decides, she goes, I'm just going to write this down, you know, to make her decision. About that, she gives she gives Donahue the yes and Chester the no by accident, and they were said they were both going to be manly about it, and he starts crying like a baby. No, Chester starts crying like a baby, and Donahue's all excited, and then she realizes she gave him the wrong paper, and so she gives it to Chester. <laughs> then Donahue starts crying. I mean, it's just great writing. I mean, I've heard it all this this fun come out of somebody's head. She also has the most heartfelt moments as well. They, she does. It's like she gets all the goodies. She really does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, when we get to like season four, when we get to the end of this, is I think this is where I think this is where soap's gonna pale a little bit. We won't go into it now, but right. Jessica's like the heart of the show, basically. I don't know what it is about her. She's ditzy, but she's lovable, you know. Everything happens to her, too. She's always some kind of like the perils of Pauline or something. Something's always going on in Jessica's life. But she even looks she always I think she's always looking for the. She always looks and finds the silver lining, no matter how horrible the situation is. And some of the situations are just deplorable. They just heinous. But she's always still got and she's always got those stories. You know, she kind of reminds me of Betty White with St. Olaf's. (laughs) (laughs) You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, even like when Jess, even when like you know, in the beginning of the season series, when you know Jess is sleeping around in her, she's still looking for that silver lining sort of thing. And you know, even even when you know, even when she gets convicted of murder and goes to jail, she gets she finds the silver lining. Benson brings her that nice breakfast and stuff. Yeah, and but even Benson looks out for her. He loves her in his own way too. You know. I don't think anyone, I don't think you can dislike her. I don't think anyone can. Even when she's. If you knew somebody like that, could you dislike them? That'd be like kicking a puppy dog. I couldn't, you know? Even even if you got her most crackpot sort of thing, you just, even when she says the most stupidest things in the world, you're just like, you know, I, I, I just love Jessica. I mean, she is. She's a wonderful character. She's really actually a wonderful actress. I've seen her play scary, mean people all the way to okay, you know she was in brazil Harold. that terry gillen film brazil lady in white which will be covered lady in white now. was exceptional i love that movie i think it's a great movie some people don't like it it wasn't exciting enough for them i love that movie yeah i think who's it's one boss? of it's um who's the boss with tony dan who's the boss that was excellent as well he was excellent in that you look forward every time i mean every time she came on the screen it's like fantastic you know? well if i see her in a movie i'll generally stop and watch it i yeah, mean i've got a few people like that i i just oh wow they're in this i'm going to check it out just because of a certain individual and yeah. it's because she brings a lot to acting like then like in the the lady in white she was mm-hmm. like the the scary old grandmother with the the long hair in there and you didn't know she was dead or alive really but yeah. apparently she was real but I mean, she kind of floated. So, you know, she could be, she could do scary. She's got one of those faces. She could mm-hmm. do scary really well. 
She really. Well, I remember can. seeing her in Terry Gillen's Brazil, and she plays like a rich person, and basically they take her skin, they're they're stretching it. I've not seen it. That. Oh, it's fantastic! It's I mean, it's very of its time. I think it's like 83, 84. And it's Terry Gillum, so it's very, very odd. It's very, very well. Odd. Yeah, if it's any Monty Python, anything, it's going to be odd. Yeah, I mean that just goes without very, very saying. Good. Yeah, she's brilliant, and you know she really, she she really knows how to capture a moment, and you just feel for her. And There's just something thing. about her. She's like all heart or something. She it doesn't even seem like she's really working at her performance, whether it be comedy or drama. She yeah. just got something about her. I don't know if it's she's kind of. She's kind of fun to look at. You know what I mean? You, I, I don't know why. I don't know. If, it's not a beauty issue so big, much. She's got these big doe eyes, doesn't she? And then she just kind of like flutters them a little bit. And it's like. <laughs> she plays you know? stupid really well, too. And, but the thing is, but she's never really that stupid, which is kind of. She's really kind of, not. It's just because it's like she comes across as being quite stupid or quite airheaded. But the thing is, at the end of the day, she's very switched on because she knows everything that's going on. But it's kind of it's she's a very, aware. Very, she's aware, I think. Precisely. And but when she but when she thinks out loud, she doesn't kind of get it together quite as much It's like if we all thought out loud all the time, people think we were crazy, too. Yeah. But it's it, like but then you're not quite sure if it's an actor or anything because the She's a lot more aware than these. It's kind of weird because on one level, if you look at it at face level, it's like, yeah, she's, she's a bit dingy. But then it's like when you get these heartfelt moments that she always delivers, it's like you actually like, actually, you're a lot more switched on than we think you are. It's, it's a very... She's smart. She really is smart. But she's portrayed to be simple-minded, I guess, is the yeah, word I want to use. not simple-minded at all, actually. So you don't know. And the thing is, you don't know if, if it is an act or not. You know what I mean? Maybe is she really that, or is she? It's just an act, and a way for her to get out of situations and find, make it seem like for her to deal with any of the stressful situations she's in. That you know, maybe she's in or something like that. But but now she's brilliant. I mean, you know, even even when she's tearing apart whether she should be with Donahue or Tate or Chester, and then it's, you know, and you're kind of torn with her, which one she should go for? Because you do have, you know, at the end of the day, you do have. You know Chester's history, which isn't great towards her. No, I mean you know? he cheated on her all the time. He was he was really kind of he really kind of blasé about her, and you kind of like seeing, you know, him really wanting her back, realizing how badly he fucked up, and Man. you know, realizing this is a really good woman, and she's found somebody else. So I better figure out how to get her back, which is why you know I. I always thought she was going to kind of pick Chester anyway. Well, but, you kind you know, of, I, th- I think you kind of had to in this, maybe in this time period, maybe because family is the strongest sort of thing. It was still but, was going pretty strong back then. I yeah, think. I kind of wondering if this was written today, would she have picked Chester? Probably not. Sort of thing because she could. Well, it's like he said, you know, uh, Donnie says, Well, you could have the old usual or you could have a new, exciting life, a brand new. And I mean, that's appealing to people. I mean, who doesn't want to have exciting, passion, brand new? That's just human nature. That's why I figured she was going to go for for him because who doesn't want something new once in a while? Well, another thing is, is that Donahue's is as dingy as she is, though, as well. So, I mean, he's Chester, kind of dingy, but not so much dingy. I just think it's funny when he started, they start insulting each other, calling each other names, and uh, it goes on into our next section. But I mean, God, it's well, just, I mean, 
I can't even remember all the insults. There are so many of them. You got to watch it. He's accident prone as well, Don Hughes, though. I mean, he gives her, you know, makes her breakfast in bed with a three legged, um, you know, you know, bed table or whatever. Yeah. Nice thingy. And then she's like propped up and trying to look like, you know, like a movie, a movie guy yeah. in bed waiting for him. And then he trips and falls on top of her. And then, and then that, yeah, they are kind of goofy, I guess. And then, and then makes her breakfast of like dried rice krispies because there's no milk. <laughs> yeah, I guess he is a little goofy. I kind of figured, well, if he's a private investigator, he's got to have some smarts. But, you know, then you got, Ch- well, it, you know, she does love Chester, though. You know, she yeah. does. Yeah, I mean, I think that Jessica cheats because she's so lonely. You know, when you leave your spouse or your loved one constantly, they're going to start looking. They are. Yeah. Well, I mean, um. And she had she had an affair with Bert's oldest son, but that's yeah, only because, Peter. That's only because Chester was having an affair with everyone. And then and Peter was having, having an affair, affair with, with everyone. And Jessica basically slept with one person, and then but I mean, but she didn't have an affair. But she's not having an affair because Chester. She thought Chester was dead. So yeah, so technically it wasn't an affair. No, technically because Chester was dead. Chester was legally dead. Chester was buried. Chester had a funeral. Yeah, even though yeah. Chester was drinking in the railroad and, and sinking and burning them in the diner. <laughs> but we, let's talk about Billy. Billy is attracted to classmate to a classmate named Lisa who lures him into a religious cult called the Sunnis. Is it Sunnis or Sunnies? <laughs> Billy is confronted by Benson about his involvement with the Sunnies. Billy is not allowed to go home by the Sunnies, Sunnies, whatever. I can't remember what they called it. Benson, Chester, Donahue, and the major prepare to rescue Billy. Billy is indoctrinated by the Sunnies, which use torture and deprivation to bend him to their will. Benson, Chester, Donahue, and the Major invade the Sunnis compound only to be captured. And this has got to be by far some of the funniest shit I've seen in a long time. It just is the blackface. It's quite good to get Billy uh, uh, a storyline as well. Well, he needed a storyline because poor Billy, he's usually fetching stuff for people like do this, go get the bag, change rooms, bring this bag to that room. No, take that bag out, bring it to that room now. He's kind of like, Left to his own devices, as a lot of teenagers are, I think, sometimes. When when a bunch of adults are together and they have their whole hodgepodge of problems, you overlook somebody usually, and it happens to be him. And what happens when you overlook somebody? They're going to go out and get themselves in trouble. And back then, you had a bunch of cult things going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, if you look at the cult leader anyway, I mean, he's got Jim Jones glasses on. Oh, he died. I didn't even think of that. I totally didn't even think of that. Oh my God, you're right. And, and yet, you know, Guyana was going on around this time. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if it happened by this time or if it did, it wasn't, I mean, it was quite raw that it happened. But you also had, I mean, you had a lot of cults going on around this time anyway. And the Hare Krishnas. Hare Krishnas. Um, they didn't bother that, anybody though. They just used to annoy you in the, in the, Airports. Airport, yeah. Banging her Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> but he had um, but I mean he also had like he had like the cult that basically uh, 
kill themselves because they're because they're gonna find God at the end of a comment. Yeah, those. <laughs> oh God, God, what was those people called? I just had that in my mind. Oh my God, keep talking. I gotta find that. And then you had like all these people who were like taking you know because you used to do stories because. Wasn't it Donahue and things like those kind of shows are starting to pop up around this time as well? Oprah, well, not Oprah, but you had you had some of those. Well, not Sal- Sally Jesse. Geraldo was it? Geraldo. Geraldo was around. Remember when he got hit in the face with when he had the freaking the skin the skinheads on that one? <laughs> he had that riot on his show. No, by that time he thought he found Al Capone's secret vault as well. Oh, Hoping man. to was nothing. But, um, was but, but about this time, I remember that you used to get a lot of stories about people getting their children away from cults and have to get them reprogrammed. Do you remember that? There's all these stories around that time. Yes, you yes. Know, you know, like, oh, I had to steal my fat, I had to steal my daughter from a cult, and then and they had to like get, take her away for like Heaven's two months Gate. to get reprogrammed. It was Heaven's Gate, the Comet people. Gate. That was in the nineties, though. Oh, that was nineties. That was but I around the time. Though, there was a lot of stories about people getting their kids away from cults at this time. So, oh yeah, and they 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 still yeah. exist. I mean, it's not like I mean that's an actual issue. I mean, we had David Koresh. We had all kinds of shit going on down here in Texas in the nineties. Waco, Waco, yeah, Waco, Waco. Waco. What a cookout! <laughs> <laughs> Like, can't okay. do that nope that was bad 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 well we but, had um, also a lot of te- tele-evangelists on tv at that time as well you know i mean that was huge at one point yeah I, mean, I, had, I don't i don't think it's as huge as it used to be but i remember i mean or robert we still you know. got we still got copeland on here in dallas he's got the most vulgar display of wealth where he lives and he has the nerve well look at, look at, jim, look at jim baker and tammy faye you know what? But I actually liked Tammy Faye. I felt bad for her. I really enjoyed watching her. I could watch her talk all day long. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, she had a husband that basically was sleeping. Oh, what was the home. name of that girl he was messing with? Or was that Swaggart? Swagger, Swagger had the prostitute. And yeah. Jim, Jim Baker had the boys. Oh, yeah. I remember Jimmy Swagger. And I've sinned. I'm sorry. You know, he was crying because he got caught. Yeah, That was all there was to that. Any of that. I hate televangelism. I don't After like any of it because God people... is greater than the richest king. He's greater. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get sing either. <laughs> I know. But I mean, those shows, like Reverend Ernest Angley, he had to be my favorite because mm. he'd always like heal people. He goes, you will be healed. And he'd sit there and start snapping his fingers to get them. He goes, say baby, say baby. <laughs> to get. Um, <laughs> well, like, can't make this yeah. shit up. I mean, I don't know if it's still going, but when I was in Tulsa. Oh, it's around. Him. It's still around. Yeah, or Roberts University. Yeah. And then he had like these great big praying hands coming out of the ground. But then but the thing is that like the city of hope, right? <laughs> and then he had like the gold the gold prayer tower, which is like <laughs> you know, neo neoclassical looking cross thing. But the worst the worst thing is, is that when anyone came to visit me, I was like, oh we have to go to Or Roberts University. And they go, why? I go, because you have to go to the to the old testament theme park. And he's like, you go and he's like <laughs> This is the Garden of Eden, and then and then you go and you go on like Noah's Ark, and it's like rock. <laughs> it's like I didn't. They only got as far as Moses because then they ran out of money. So they <laughs> did he have a big cathedral though? Oh, I mean, it was a university. Yeah, it was a school. Well, I knew it was a school, but I thought he but had I could, a cathedral. I could tell you one thing: it wasn't for him, but it was for another evangelist. 
and I'm not quite sure which it is, but I had a temp job because I used to temp jobs when, when uni. And one of my temp jobs, which I lasted for about a day with, is that basically they locked us into a room with cameras all around us. And there was these lectures of people sending this evangelist money and like, please pray for this person because they're dying of cancer, da da da, and they're sending money. And what they used to do is you used to have to take the money, put it in one pile, the letters go into a trash bag. And when oh, I, I ask them, what do you do with a trash bag? They go, oh, we pray over it. It's like, yeah, fucking hell. What? Oh, over bullshit. The, over the and then they're taking the money. And so it was you like, know that, what's that's really what sad? Did. That's you like taking separate the money and the checks. That's what you did. That's why I can't stand any of that. It's like taking people's hopes and dreams. And I'm especially the elderly or the desperate who has a sick child with cancer. And it's like Jim Jones. He used to have people vomit up liver. To make it look like they coughed up the cancer, you know, his was quite the tale. But I mean, I like how they they actually went after this because regular soap operas like General Hospital even just recently actually did something um, what they call there's the dawn of day or something like that. But these cults still exist and they do prey on children. They're still out there. They're not as numerous, I don't think. But I mean, if you can imagine it, there's somebody out there doing it. And I thought I I. Found it kind of not so much heartwarming, but Billy, he was kind of smart. He knew he didn't want to be brainwashed because he gives the raspberries to those guys when they and it's Robert England. I was yeah. so shocked. I didn't even remember. It's like Robert England and he's still in the same business. <laughs> he's torturing young teenagers. I was like going, that's Robert England. I did not know. Well, Billy just wants to get laid anyway. I mean, that's the reason why he got involved. Oh, anyway. yeah. I mean, what what won't a teenage boy do to get laid back in the day, you know? Yeah. What won't any man do at this point? But, I mean, it was Robert England, and this has got to be one of his first things. Did it 77, 78? I know he was in other stuff, but I, I never knew to, he was on this. I think he went into V after this. V? Some of the miniseries V about the lizard people. Who was that down. in the 80s? That, that came like after this, a couple of years later. later I, think. I vaguely remember. I was out having fun. I didn't watch TV in the 80s. I went to the movies, but I wasn't a big TV person. I was oh, great. V was fantastic in his day. I watched it. I don't remember it. I remember that I thought the makeup was weird. I thought it was different. I mean, well, it was ahead of people, its time. They? They're saying that they're going to help people. And then they, they, they take over everything like a, like a military state. And they're harvesting people and using Earth reflux resources but robert england was like the lovable stupid alien he was like on the people's side oh shit i gotta look that back up again i was just really surprised that he was on soap i was laughing i go i was telling my husband i go oh look it's robert england he's in soap i go i didn't remember this i go he's still beating on teenage children (laughs) but i mean it was just nice to recognize his face you know it was a nice little easter egg i guess you'd call it nice good scene robert england but I mean, you can't, but I mean, when, when you're, when you're talking about this episode, you can't leave out the blackface. I'm sorry. The, I mean, no. you want to talk funny. I mean, you got all four of these idiots. Well, not Benson, you no. know, and they're all in blackface in the kitchen the, at the Tate's house. And Jessica comes in. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, Benson. I didn't know you were entertaining. And they all have those hats on and <laughs> they look stupid. They just yeah. look positively stupid. <laughs> but I mean, then you got. You still got uh, uh, Chester and Donahue at it. They're beating each other up still, only they're in blackface. I mean, you can't keep... It's just some funny writing. I can't even describe it. And to do so, it isn't even giving it justice. You just got to watch it. And why would you take the major anywhere with you? I don't understand. Why would you bring the major with you? 
because they well he gave that big patent pep talk like he knew what he was talking about there for a minute but he and for a minute you thought he was cognate you know and that he actually got his shit straight for a second and then all of a well, sudden nope I mean, even with Corinne's <laughs> baby he sits there and goes um it's like you know i hate it when soldiers cry all night long he brought in all the sandbags he was, he was gonna make a den or burrow or whatever <laughs> So he just he just comes he just pops up and it's just so random. It's just like, I don't know if they intended that to be blackface, but I know you can't get away with kidding now. I'm surprised that they even allow it to be viewed the cancel culture because I'm sorry I gotta say the name. Some of the stuff is just brilliant. It's fun. Nobody gets hurt. Everybody is made fun of equally, and it's it's just something. I mean, I am so glad to even revisit all this stuff because I had forgotten how much fun it really was to watch. And I remember my brothers watching it all the time. They're a little older than me. So they liked it. And I remember watching it. It's just, you know, it's the late seventies. You got to kind of jumpstart your brain. But I, I liked how, you know, they got Danny, but Danny at this point, I not Danny, but um, Billy, Billy's a, uh, you know, he, he's like, he's neglected. Let's face it. He's neglected. He sees a beautiful girl and they use beautiful girls to lure men or whatever, you know, like sailors into the rocks. And then that's what they actually do. I mean, like Charles Manson used to do. That's how he got a lot of his followers. Yeah. You know, he would send the girls out and the girls would do their thing and bring people back. Precisely. Normally, but normally other women, though, because he didn't really like having a lot of men around because you like to have he liked to women. have sex with all the women, didn't he, for some reason? Yeah, there very few men. He, very few men he had around. That's true. And that takes us to our final scene, which is Bert, (laughs) which is another one. I mean, there's probably just nothing about any of this block I dislike. Uh, Bert sees a flying saucer, but Danny doesn't believe him. And Bert begs Mary to believe that he really did see a UFO. And then Bert is abducted by aliens. Bert is taken to the alien ship where they tell him that they plan to replace him with a replica. And his alien double is called Alien Bert, who teleports to Earth and moves in with the unsuspecting Mary. Alien Bert uh, is like a sexual juggernaut with Mary. The real Bert meets Saul, (laughs) another captive of the aliens who claims to have been captured by them 4,000 years ago. Another great storyline. Another perfect, you know, Mulligan. Mulligan you know what's scene. Quite funny is that I remember when this storyline came out, and then you're, you're kind of watching it, and it's really, really funny. And I think it's a year or two later. Remember the Colbys? Yes. And didn't someone in the Colbys get abducted by aliens? Wasn't it I like don't Emma remember Sam's? that. Yeah, Emma Sams gets abducted by aliens. It's kind of like, oh my god! It's like they didn't take that away from Soap because <laughs> it's like, and at that time the Colbys were supposed to be like a serious, like serious right. It, well, yeah, I remember opera. Emma Sams being in that. She left General yeah. Hospital to be on that for a while. She did come back, okay. however. But yeah, you're right. I totally yeah, forgot about the Colbys. Was that a spinoff? The Dynasty of Dynasty. It was a spinoff. Yeah. Everybody on that show was carved out of cream cheese. They were just perfect. Well, look at Maxwell Caulfield. He was good looking. Oh my so. God. I had such a crush on him when mm-hmm. I was when I was a young girl. He looked a fantastic in Greece too. So did he age well? Yeah, yeah, he's aged very, very well. He still he still acts here. He's still around here. Oh, yeah. he's still around. That's right. He was British, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he's married to Juliet Mills. You know, Nanny and the Professor. Oh, that's right. He did marry her. She was a little older than him, wasn't she? 20 years older. They're still together. No kidding. That's fantastic. So I he's Haley like Mills' brother in law. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I mean, her, what do you think? Being a, I mean, there's, you can't. I mean, let's face it. You can't. If you're going to abduct someone out of the cell, the best person you can abduct is Bert. <laughs> oh, I know. He's standing there straight up on that bed. And he's just looking around. He starts doing that woof, woof, woof stuff with his eyes. <laughs> he starts going up and down. He's doing the, the looks. I mean, just even if he doesn't say a word, just the physical humor is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just wish he was still alive. I totally love that guy. There's just yeah. there's just so much he could have so much more he could have done. There's so many people that are gone. It's so sad. But he, this story, I mean, like I said, there's so much of this you can't really describe. It's easier to describe Dark Shadows because it's a drama. But yeah. it's almost like Monty Python when me and Chad and everybody were trying to do Monty Python. Was it the life of Brian or was it the Holy Grail? I can't remember, but it's so funny and convoluted. You can't really keep it compartmentalized and you can't describe it. You have to watch it. Yeah. Well, another thing about soap is that soap is very, very quick. They turn storylines around very, very quick. Oh, it's fast. It's very Um, fast. I mean, the series lasted for four years. And to be honest, it's probably good that it did because they probably the way they're going through storylines is so quick. They probably would have run out. They probably would have run out. It was, it, but you know, it's sort of like I wouldn't call it like a Netflix thing. I think once you realized, you might as well peek up. They did leave it kind of hanging, though. There's no point in going into that. Well, like I, kind of took up in the first episode of Benson. He got cold feet, so um, because of um, because of the subject matter and everything that they were dealing with. ABC got cold feet. It wasn't because of ratings. Is that they thought, oh, they're they're a bit too edgy for us. So that's why they got canceled. It was getting edgy, and I think that well, wasn't that didn't a- AIDS was coming out right about then too, wasn't it? Yeah, that was coming out, and, you know, and we were becoming a bit. We we're and um, the seventies. You think we we're becoming we're, aware? Is the word not well, we but more, aware? Well, you got to remember, we're going into the 80s, and what happened in the 80s, we became conservative again. Yeah. You know, we went from free love. I don't know how much conservative, I don't know what you were, I know we kind of lived in the same area, but I I don't think it, I think politics was conservative, and I guess, but but Hollywood, has Hollywood ever been conservative, really? Uh, It it is conservative as far as, like, if you look at everything as, um, you know, if you look at the TV shows and everything that was coming out, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, there was a culture cult. There was a counterculture going on, which I think you and I were part of, sort of thing, as far as music and things like that. Right. If you look at every, you know, and, and of course there was like independent cinema and independent labels and all that stuff going on at the same time, and VHS probably opened things up as far as that goes. Right. But you got to remember, it was the time of the yuppie, and the yuppies were fucking conservative. You know what I mean? So, they were. I lived in Boston towards the end of the eighties for a while, and it was yuppified. It was really yuppified. Yeah. And they are, you know, they had, you got to remember, you had all the men in their gelled hair and their business suits and all the women in their, you know, their bobs walking around with their little pearls and, you know. Young, they, upwardly I mean, mobile I mean, professionals. Out, out, to be honest, outside they were very, very conservative, but, you know, behind closed doors, they were wacky as fuck, you know, they were all coked up, you know what I mean? But. Well, that was the age of cocaine, okay? 
Yeah. It's like, but but you know, but the, but the image that they gave outside of that wasn't you know. Oh, well, cocaine drugs. was the cool drug for the very edgy, young, upwardly mobile. You didn't want to, you know, just smoke pot or get pissed and drunk. You know, you had to have the fun stuff. But. And you also got to remember is also that you know, in the seventies was you know you had. 70s is wife swapping and everything like that. And then everything yeah. went back to be the nuclear family, family values. That's what Reagan was, family values. He was it? all family values. And then, you know, but he had Parkinson's, so what did we know? So, <laughs> yeah, we, I don't know. Yeah, he's had it for a while, but you didn't know about it, did we? No, but it's quite scary thinking that he had his finger on the, uh, on the button. Well, on his the finger <laughs> wasn't on it. <laughs> but, but even in but even in England, I mean, they had Thatcher. It was Thatcher? It was Thatcher and Reagan, wasn't it? Well, so. look who we got right now with their finger on the red button. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we go we go through periods of this where everything's like yeah. kind of free, and then we go through this conservatism, and then we go free again. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, it. it but you know, I think we had just enough. Didn't what was it? The sixties, wasn't it? Barney and his wife out of New Hampshire started with the, the alien abduction thing. They were a mixed couple on New Hampshire. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, I always, I mean, I, you know, when it comes to UFOs, I always, I like the idea of it, but I don't understand that if there are aliens coming down and anal probing people. Why are they always like really stupid hillbillies? Why don't they go to like Harvard or Yale or Princeton and like abduct someone? Why are they always, up, up, you know, abducting two rednecks having sex in the back of an RV? I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> it's like well, for the most alien, part, right? you're not going to see them out in the middle of nowhere. You know, and I have actually I seen know. weird shit. I don't know about you, but we've all seen weird shit, especially in the middle of winter. And I was 16 years old, saw something really strange. Still won't, don't know what it was. It wasn't the Air Force. But everybody mm-hmm. I've talked to, at least some, I mean, and it doesn't have to be an alien craft. It could be like something you just don't know what it is. I'm just talking about alien abduction. It's like, you know, so we never hear anyone being there. First of all, they all talk about this, like, yeah. I've been I've been into the annually probe and they grabbed Millie and I didn't even know where I was and five days later I showed up and it's like I was gone like yesterday. <laughs> it's like I've been annually probe. You're like uh, I don't know why they'd want to anally probe anybody, but I guess they want to know about our bodily functions. And people have said they've actually taken fetuses out of their bodies or put fetuses yeah, into their. But, I but, mean, it gets really bizarre. I mean, it gets bizarre. It does get bizarre, but I always but it always seems to be people who are are not the brightest that's the thing you know what i mean and that's you know i mean you know if it was like i mean let's sit there and say that let's say that i don't know let's say that it was someone who you know a professor at harvard and then he told me that it's just a lot easier like oh you know excuse me you think it'd be easier coming from a harvard professor than a hillbilly i don't you know i'm not saying that it's not not happening it just just i just doesn't I just think if I was an alien race and I was going to abduct people, I'd probably abduct like the brightest people in the world, like who I thought was very, very bright that I would gain, you know, not only biological knowledge, because let's face it, um, very, very intelligent people have the same biologicalness that we have, but then you'd be able to hear their minds and what exactly is going on. I don't know if I, I would really want to go after someone who's basically sleeping with his sister and his mom and his aunt are the same person. So- <laughs> if i if i was going to an if i was going to like an alien planet and i was going to abduct some alien life force i'm not sure i'd probably look for the i try to look for the most educated probably for you know for my own research 
Well, Bert's not really a redneck. He's just one of those guys that have to be in the wrong place, I think, at the wrong time. And what's kind of funny about it is nobody believes him. Everybody's laughing at him because he thought he was invisible just a few months before. So no one is who's going to believe Bert, you know, that he's abducted by space aliens. And they're all short little aliens. We also have to remember that. I mean, it's only a year ago that Bert thought he was invisible. Right. (laughs) He thought he was invisible. And so everybody, Danny's the only one that seems to have any compassion for him. And I don't know why, really, to tell you the truth. Maybe because he's been so good to Danny. I don't know. But he was there, and he knows. Jody Jody likes Bert a lot as well, though. He's come around. Yeah. Of course, Bob's going to, you know. Yeah. Bob, Bob the doll, who's not even a real human being. But you talk about him like he is, and everybody thinks he's real after a while. Because well, Another thing is, you think you said that Chuck is actually Bert's real son. You didn't, Chuck doesn't right. really seem much. So. They don't talk much. There's no really backlighted story on him, too. I wish there was. No, I mean, basically, Chuck shows up because he's coming to he's coming to live with his dad. And then, yeah, there's never that closeness. I mean, we had to, we had Bert going up, you know, about the, you know, the death of Peter. Yeah. His, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's closer to Mary's him. boys than he is. Yeah. So they never really developed the Chuck, Bob, Bert thing, really. But then again, Not it's kind of all. hard to get. It's kind. It's kind of really hard. I mean, it's kind of hard to get close to Chuck because you have to go through Bob to get the Chuck. You know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, but I do love when you know when Chuck and you know Chuck and Bob are reading, and Bob's like reading, and then looks at Chuck. Go, are you done yet? <laughs> he turned the page. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, as far as going back to the alien thing, yeah, I love the alien storyline. I think it's fantastic. But in reality, sometimes, sometimes they're kind of wondering about people who have been abducted. Was it they meet Saul? He's 4,000 years old. And he told him he wrote Genesis or Exodus. He wrote the book of Exodus, I think. Because you aren't that old. You know, um, they said and the best, the better part of the storyline is Bert goes down there and he starts hopping around like an alien when he sees Mary. And then he starts grabbing Jessica. He hasn't had sex in 2,000 years. The replica Bert. <laughs> And he sees he's screwing Mary to death. He won't leave her alone. He says he's coming home for lunch. <laughs> I think after a while it starts to get tedious and following episodes. He won't leave her alone. I need to go shopping. Bert, was it, was it Jessica's eye? He's quite exuberant today, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's a really good storyline. I mean, it kind of ends, it kind of ends our um, you know, our well, with, actually, this is the beginning of season three, so. Yeah, so it's like it's interesting to see where it goes. It ended quite well there. So I think it's yeah, we will. Um, I mean, for, the, for you, what was your favorite storyline, your not-so-favorite storyline? My my not favorite storyline has to be um, Eunice and Dutch only because I quite liked it, but it didn't. I, I guess it just it just seems like to be a fill in storyline, so I wasn't really that m- more invested. Though I loved I loved Dutch and I love Eunice. Yeah, same. It was kind of like, but it's only because there's so much big things going on behind the scenes, sort of thing. And my favorite storyline's got to be the possession. I love the baby possession storyline. Yeah, absolutely. It's tied that with the Burt alien abduction. But I think 
with the possession that it's a bit more it's a more fuller storyline because it's on the same block where the alien abduction is like we're at the beginning of it so right. kinda, we, we kind of end our block in the middle of it so right like, right yeah i have to go with you on the the eunice and um dutch storyline not that they're not brilliant actors or it's well written it just doesn't really do a whole lot and it is like filler storyline like mm. most soap operas will do and it really i'd have to say well the toss-up but like you said we're just coming into the alien stuff with bert but it has to be the the baby and the exorcism you've got all of the characters involved pretty much mm. and it's comical as hell everybody gets in on it and it's just a great storyline and it's just it's just funny. But I mean it's followed second by going to rescue um Billy, but we haven't really finished that either, have we? And I and I like it. I um just not sure quite it does end with basically I mean we do end that storyline at, at a cliffhanger as well. I mean they get captured by the movies and that's it. So we're not we don't see where we go after right, that. Right, right. That's a good storyline as well. So I think Who was your favorite or maybe your least favorite or did you have any? My favorite is going to be Dinah Manoff only because she leaves. And it left me, it left a little bit of a hole in this thing for, because you kind of wonder like, what would she have been like, like during the alien, you know, like yeah, during the I alien know. abduction? What, to, you know, what would she have been like, you know, during the possession? And, you know, and what would she have been like during the whole Mary and Bert um off again relationship there because she would have like you know she would have given her sense and it would have been nice to see that gelling going on and when she left it's just like oh i really liked her and i I missed her so i'm gonna count her as my favorite only because she's gone i I miss her not being in it but i'm a huge dynamental fan anyway if you listen to our interview you heard me blubbering around oh i know i think she liked you a lot too (laughs) so yeah and um my least favorite character i having a difficult time warming to donahoe donahue i I am too i don't know why i i there's something about him that irritates me yeah maybe it's because he's a catalyst or something of some sort protagonist antagonist i think because he's kind of a I think we're supposed to find him funny and I don't find him that funny. I find him stupid. And the other I ones I find him not, like yeah. Bert, Bert does stupid, stupid stuff, but there's an intelligence to the stupid stuff that he does. And he's right. very funny. And even, you know, when he, you know, when he's doing all the, you know, physical humor and even when the lines that he's saying and the way his face goes and everything like that, Bert is funny. Bert's just plainly funny. Chester is funny. Donahue, I don't find him funny. I'm just like, you know, like when he falls on top of um, um, te- um, um, on Jessica or right. the, you know the three like you know the three legged thingy, or when he says something, and I'm like, and you hear kind of like the studio audience kind of laugh. I was like, I'm not laughing. <laughs> it's just like, and I'm just like, and maybe you know, maybe it's just the tan corduroy suit. Maybe it's that. <laughs> I always hated corduroy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm just. You know, I just, I'm not warm to him. I don't find him funny. And I, I don't know. It's just, there's something about, it's not that I dislike him. It's just that I don't know why he's there. Why, why yeah. he's still hanging around sort of thing. Because it's almost like we, we think he, it's almost like someone, someone there thinks, oh, he's so brilliant. He's so funny. We got to keep this actor. And I'm like. Right. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, uh, yeah. 
same. I would have to say Bert was my favorite character, but the honorable mention to Dinah Manoff, because I just loved her in all, all these, because she went from this to that. But Bert is so funny, whether it's he's written funny that way or he just looks funny. He's just one of those people you just laugh at him as soon as he starts twitching. I don't know why. His physical is his the, just the physical acting alone, you know, where he does the faces and stuff and he starts shaking. I just can't stop laughing. And he didn't even have a line sometimes. He just starts moving. And he just, he's just one of those people you just can't stop laughing at. And um, I, I just can't wait to see the rest of the alien storyline. I'm looking forward to that. And I have to go with Donahue as well because I can't find anything to dislike about any of the other characters at all. It's such, a, it's such a, a, a super strong cast. And the thing is, you can actually put all their faces on a a wheel and just spin the wheel. And whoever comes up outside of, you know, I'm talking about the main characters. Right. Whoever comes up, they're fantastic. You can't fault any of them. I know. It, it's hard to find somebody you don't like on any of it. Yeah. It's just almost impossible. Out of all the shows we've watched, this one is the hardest to find someone I don't like. I mean, Tim's irritating, but he's very, very good and he's funny. Yeah, you know yeah, and he, and he's essential with Corinne yeah. right now. So he's kind of they're playing off each other really well. I love Corinne as well. I think she's brilliant. I love her. She's so good at doing what she does. I mean, you know, just right down from being, you know, chasing the priest to being the town whore or whatever. <laughs> And I guess another thing with Donahue, I guess, um, you know, for argument's sake, is that normally when they bring a character in, they're very strong, like Dutch. Dutch is a strong Dutch character. is very strong. And I love Dutch. Um, even even though, like, he started out one way and his characters evolved to something else. And um, Tim, characters started out one way and evolved. Right. Donahue's character doesn't evolve at all so far. And he's been in, and he's been in a lot of episodes. He's been in i say he's probably been in more episodes than Dutch has. I just think he's a love interest, you know? Yeah, but there's just... He just doesn't seem to fit into the pattern of the comedy and stuff like this. And it's like, you know, even like when Chester starts crying because he gets the wrong note. And then it, then, then they switch notes and then we get Donahue's reaction. And it's kind of like... Kind of pales. A little. I don't hate him. I mean, I've seen him in other things. What's the actor's name? I don't know. He's ginger, so I don't remember. He's ginger. You and your ginger. (laughs) You're not into ginger. No, I've seen seen him in other things, and he's normally a day player. He'll pop up in like like one episode thing. And I, you know, or, you know, he just, one of these actors just kind of appears, but he never appears for long. No. But here, He's in there. He's in a lot of episodes, and it just doesn't. I was you know, I, I was kind of hard watching him with Jessica, so you know, you I think they even knew that the, the audience probably wanted Chester to be back with Jessica. You know, I just think that if they found if they found someone that was funny, good looking, and a strong care, a strong actor, maybe or someone who's strong, who's able. I think soap is a hard show to do. I don't think soap is an easy show to do. And I think it's really, really hard to be able to do physical comedy, say the lines, be lovable, um, do do really stupid things, but still remain and still become someone that you want to, that you look at and you admire. And I think soap is a really hard show to be able to do this kaleidoscope of everything that you have to do. And 
I think that with Donahue, I think I think it's kind of miscast. I think that they could have dealt with someone like um like you know who would have been really, really good would have been the guy. Um do you remember when um Jody's trying to commit suicide? Yeah. And he's in the hospital with um Rhoda's dad. Oh my god, yes, I love <laughs> so it. Someone like that, which basically you could have played off all these hormones. And then when Jessica's making a decision, you'd be like, Oh, this is a really hard one. Do you know what I mean? Sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, the guy's not a horrible person or a horrible actor, anything like that. It's just that I don't. He did. I think that. I think if he was in another kind of show, I, he probably would be fine. But with a show with this strong of actors, I think it's really, really hard to shine. You have to be bloody up at your game. You got to be yeah. fantastic. You it's can't almost. Just be a, it's almost impossible to find something about anybody you don't like on the show. I mean, yeah. literally, almost impossible. Even Boss Hogg is the um, crime boss. Remember him. You yes, know, that is yeah. him. I was going nuts trying to figure out. I was like, oh, I know that actor. I couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember it. But even Carol's mom is fantastic. She's only in two episodes. Are you a homo? Are you a you, homo? You homo? Drink lemonade. Even Millie, you know Millie, who bounces hits Danny. Dan, she's brilliant as well. It's like they have such brilliant one timers coming in. Or Tim's mom. Yeah. He was Doris Roberts. Oh, you're you know fantastic. And so then when you get this other character, this other actor who can't even outlive the people, who's not as good as the people that get in for like one or two days. <laughs> two episodes. So, yeah, I guess I slagged Donahoe, Donahue off a lot. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I wasn't going to slag him off that badly. But <laughs> but I yeah. mean, like you said, I mean, it, it's a very strong cast. And if you are going to be on here for a short stint, I guess you're right. You got to You got to find your capacity to shine because. It, it, it's that's hard that you're right yeah. it is very hard and i guess it looks easy because we laugh at it so much and we find it so enjoyable that it doesn't you know but it looks like it's a challenge to write they do it well though even i mean even when we interviewed jessica salt and dinah manoff they said it was they never felt they were really fantastic in their roles they said that because of everyone they were around, they never quite felt. They never like felt were, like they were. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that. I mean, they no. did, but I don't see that at all. If they're listening, I think they're just as brilliant as everybody on that cast. I mean, I mean, Robert Guillaume, Billy Crystal, Ted Voss as Danny. Um, yeah. You know, um, Jessica, you know, uh, Catherine Hellman and Catherine yeah. Damon, who plays Mary. Um, Diana Canova, you know, I mean, I mean, they're these are very freaking. I mean, this is like a stellar cast. You, it's you very. It seems like a once in a lifetime cast too. Yeah, you know, it's like Golden Girls. That's a once in a lifetime cast. You mm-hmm. know, and Golden Girls only had four people in it. This one has. I mean, this is a large cast. Yeah, it's very big. Very. It it seems like a handful for they for got they got they got the best the supporting character the best cast of supporting characters to be main characters in any show i think so far and i i haven't seen anything compared to it no not at all so this brings us to the end of our literary license podcast nah, i can't talk today podcast retrospective of soap season two episodes 34 to 49 Tune in next time to where we'll be discussing our Masters of Horror book to screen, where we'll be doing Peter Straub's ghost story. 
and the film of the same name directed by John Irwin. That was 1981, I believe. Yeah. And we will all be returning to soap for our next episode in the new year of January 2022. That sounds so weird coming out of my mouth where we'll continue <laughs> our soap retrospect. So it's good night from myself. Good night, everybody. And good night from Keith. Good night, y'all. Y'all and come back now. You here? Y'all have a good weekend. I'm going to go anally probe. I'm going to go anally probe out the middle of nowhere. Goodbye, Keith. <laughs> returned last night unanswered. Questions torture me. Like how they unlock the door. Why is my rectum sore? Why do I twitch when I watch E.T.? Alien abduction probe Happens all over the globe They came and scratched their itch Left me crying in a ditch It's all so cruel and cold They put my life on hold This crap is getting old Stuck a microchip in the hole between my hips. Such a gross indignity. Involuntary cornholation, courtesy of the alien nation. Why do they always come for me? Scratch their itch, left me crying in a ditch. It's all so cruel and cold. They put my life on hold. This crap is getting old. Alien abduction probe. Let me probe you one time, Roxanne. I wait alone, stare at the twilight zone, put a sawed-off shotgun in my hand. Drinking cheap wine, getting plastered, waiting for those gray-green bastards. It's the only way to make them understand. Oh, alien abduction probe happens all over the can scratch their itch, left me crying in a ditch. It's all so cruel and cold, they put my life on hold. This crap is getting old. Hey.